Open your Bibles to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And if you shall know the truth, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The word of the Lord. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your glorious gospel, the gospel of Christ, the gospel that is the power of God, the salvation for everyone who believes. Lord, we ask that you would grant us this day by your Holy Spirit not only to believe, but to be changed, to be conformed to the very image of the Son of God, the Son of glory, the Lord Jesus Christ, that we would be a people in the earth in our own families, in our own community that would give light, that would give witness to Christ and His glorious gospel, that we would once again see the fruit of that gospel fill our land, fill our own hearts, fill our families, fill our churches, and your church would give bright, witness to your glory. Father, we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we finished the book of James, and we have five Sundays before Advent. Today is Reformation Sunday, and I decided I would like to take us back through in these five weeks leading up to Advent, I'd take, I would like to take us through the five solas of the Reformation and do a series on, on the Reformation. I chose our text today, John 8, 31 and 32, because the first sola that we're going to look at is sola scriptura, which is... Scripture alone. Jesus spoke these words in the temple. He was speaking to all who were there, including the religious leaders and the power brokers of his day, along with the poor and the needy among them. John writes that Jesus said these words, specifically verses 31 and 32. He said these words directly to those Jews who believed him. But make no mistake, all the Jews that were there, the ones that believed and the ones that did not believe, listened to his words. And those Jews who rejected Jesus reacted in opposition as they heard his word proclaimed, as they heard these very words. You can go on later and read the rest of the chapter. I would encourage you to do that. It's a quite interesting chapter. Jesus is still speaking through his word, and his opposers are still reacting in opposition to him. 
They still suppress the truth and unrighteousness now just as they did then. The Word of God, the Scripture, and our abiding in it, our knowing the truth and freely obeying it under the leadership of the Holy Spirit is the mark of a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus declared. Scripture is our final authority. The word Jesus commands us to abide in is the word of the Lord revealed to us in the Scripture. If we abide in His word, if we abide in Scripture, we are His disciples indeed, Jesus said. And as we abide in His word, we shall know the truth, and the truth shall make us free. God's word is truth, and we need the sharp and powerful truth of God's word today as much as in any other time in human history. Today is Reformation Sunday. And so we're going to take some time to look at what are called the five solas of the Reformation. These are five foundational principles of the Reformation. These five pillars of truth are pillars of the Reformation and Reformed theology and the historic church, or we could say it like this, and historic evangelicalism. It is planted in the bedrock of truth revealed to us in the Scripture. They are, these truths, are integral in the message of the gospel, which is the power of God, the salvation to all who believe. Without these foundational truths, there is no gospel. These five pillars of truth called the five solas historically formed the basis of belief and practice for the Protestant church that emerged out of the Reformation more than 500 years ago. It should be noted that the result of the Reformation was not to establish a new church. But to reform the church the Lord had already established. The work of the reformers was to actually return the church to her foundation in the truth as established and revealed in the Scripture. These five pillars of truth we call the five solas are sola scriptura, meaning scripture alone, sola gratia, meaning grace alone, sola fide, meaning faith alone, solus Christus, meaning Christ alone, and sola, soli deo gloria, meaning to God alone be glory. These truths are summarized in this statement. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone, standing on Scripture alone. Amen. We will begin by reviewing the historic Reformation and its catalyst, Martin Luther, with his 95 thesis nailed to the castle door that soon sparked what is called today the Protestant Reformation. 
Our goal is not to revel in the past, but to work for the future. The catechism, I have my history students recite every morning in their history class, says that history is important because it teaches us lessons from the past for today and for the future. So we're not just reminiscing about the past, we're looking to the past so that we can work for the future. So let's talk about, very briefly, the historic Reformation. On October 31st, yes, Halloween, what we call Halloween, is actually Reformation Eve, All Hallows' Eve. We're not, today we're not going to talk about that, but don't be afraid of Halloween. This is the day the Lord has made. Every day is the day the Lord has made. Don't give even one of them to the enemy and call it his day because it's not his day. On October 31st, 1517, and Luther did it on this day on purpose, Martin Luther, a Catholic priest and university professor, posted on the door of Wittenberg Castle a list of 95 propositions. Luther's intent was to begin a discussion among his fellow clergy in an effort to bring about change to the Roman church. He never planned to separate from the church of Rome, but God had his own plan. The result of Luther's actions was not only a discussion, but the Reformation. This is a prime example of how God takes our well-intentioned plans in order to bring about the actual plan he had all along. Have you ever noticed that God does this? That is, God's plan that we could not see or even imagine. From the Reformation, those Christians who embraced the teachings of the Reformers were called protesters by the Roman Catholic Church. This is where the word Protestant comes from. It means protesters. And the reformers were protesters. They protested the practices of the Roman church that abused mostly the poor, unlearned people who depended upon and trusted the teachings of the church because the popes would not allow the Bible to be translated into the common language of the people and because very many people could not read or understand Latin most people had no idea what the Bible actually taught. Thus, very many people knew and believed only what the Church of Rome taught them to believe. And much of that teaching had no origin in Scripture whatsoever. And up to that point, men like Wycliffe, Hus, and Luther had worked to reform the church so that people could actually read and learn the Bible themselves along with their pastors and church leaders, like you're encouraged to do today. You should bring your Bible to church. You should read along. You should study your Bible. You should test what I teach you every week and make sure that I'm teaching you things that are consistent with what the Scripture teaches. That's not a new thing that happened 500 years ago. That's what God's people have always been tasked to do. Paul called the Bereans more noble because they actually checked out what he taught to make sure 
he wasn't teaching the wrong things. There's been much blood spilled just so you can have a Bible printed in the language you speak and read. The Bible you are privileged to have today is a gift from God that has come to you with a heavy price. The price was paid with the blood of Christ as well as the blood of His martyrs. So please do not take that gift for granted. Now I want to talk about a modern reformation. We cannot continue to live off the provision of the past. I don't know if you realize this, but America has now for many decades been living off the provision of the past. And that provision is running out, if you haven't noticed. Well, we cannot continue to live off the provision of the past. We still reap great benefit from the blood, sweat, and tears sown by the reformers, but the provision of the past has long waned and cannot carry us into the future. The evangelical church has rejected her past and has come to embrace the spirit of the age over the spirit of God. In short, the church needs another reformation and the Lord will provide it as His people humbly seek His face and faithfully abide in His word, courageously embracing and obeying the truth. The struggle against sin in the church is not new. What we're dealing with in our nation, what we're dealing with, what we see in the church today is not new. It was the struggle against sin that sparked the Protestant Reformation. It is our struggle against sin in the church today and in the greater culture that can signal the beginning of a modern Reformation much needed. This work has already begun, though its effects are not widely seen. For example, a Declaration of Repentance was published in 1996. I want you to listen to the opening words of this Declaration of Repentance that also affirms the five solas of the Reformation. This is from the Cambridge Declaration of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals dated April 20th, 1996, <clears throat> 96, 86, 2006, 2016, we're coming up on 40 years ago when this declaration was put forth. Listen to the opening statement of this declaration. I quote, Evangelical churches today are increasingly dominated by the spirit of this age rather than the Spirit of Christ. As evangelicals, we call ourselves to repent of this sin and to recover the historic Christian faith. In the course of history, words change. In our day, this has happened to the word evangelical. In the past, it served as a bond of unity between Christians from a wide diversity of church traditions, historic evangelicalism was confessional. It embraced the essential truths of Christianity as those were defined by the great ecumenical councils of the church, specifically the first seven. 
In addition, evangelicals also shared a common heritage of the solas of the 16th century Protestant Reformation. Today, the light of the Reformation has been significantly dimmed. The consequence of that is that the word evangelical has become so inclusive as to have lost its meaning. We face the peril of losing the unity it has taken centuries to achieve. Because of this crisis and because of our love of Christ, His gospel, and His church, we endeavor to assert anew our commitment to the central truths of the Reformation and of historic evangelicalism. These truths we affirm not because of their role in our traditions, but because we believe that they are central to the Bible. In short, the Cambridge Declaration is a declaration of repentance for departing from the truth of Scripture and the leading of the Holy Spirit. It is an example of the affirmation of reformation for us today. Keep in mind, this declaration, I'm sorry, we closed quote back at, but because we believe that they are central to the Bible, close quote. So in short, the Cambridge Declaration is a declaration of repentance. It's repenting for departing from the Scripture and departing from being led by the Spirit of God versus the Spirit of this age. I want us to keep in mind that this declaration was issued back in 1996, and think about where we are today compared to almost 40 years ago. I think it would be fair to say for many people it would have been difficult to imagine where we would be 40 years later. Wishing for revival and reformation must stop being our wish and it must become our work. Opining about the good old days, about how it used to be, is doing us no good. Complaining about how it is today doesn't do anything but make you feel grumpy and less hopeful and more desperate. It's not time to wish and complain. It's time to work and look to our future and live in the present. It is my hope this short series will motivate you in that direction. Therefore, let us review the five solas that defined the historic Reformation as we seek our own and work toward our own modern Reformation. The first sola we'll look at today is Scripture alone, sola scriptura. Luther's list of 95 points was produced out of his great discomfort and disagreement with much of the belief and practice of the Roman Catholic Church. Luther came to this, keep in mind, Luther was a Catholic. He's a Catholic monk, Catholic priest. Luther came, there was no other church back then, you understand. There was the Eastern Church, but in the West, in Europe, there was the Roman Church, the Roman Catholic Church. 
Luther came to this place of disagreement through revelation he received as he studied the scriptures. As he was abiding in God's word, the truth was setting him free. The very first of Luther's 95 points reveals a perfect example of the revelation of truth from the scripture. And the very first of his 95 points, Luther wrote, when our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, this is from Matthew 4.17, he willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance, close quote. Luther points out the text of Matthew 4.17, which says, from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The teaching of the Roman Catholic Church in Luther's day was from an incorrect understanding and translation of Matthew 4.17. The Roman Catholic Church taught the people that Matthew 4.17 actually said, do penance for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The correct and literal translation of what Jesus actually said of his words is, Repent, which is very different than do penance. The tradition and teaching of the Roman Catholic Church was to do penance. The teaching of the Scripture is to repent. To do penance necessitates performing a work. And I want to remind you that we are neither saved nor forgiven based on our works. On the other hand, to repent necessitates a changed heart and mind. We are both saved and forgiven by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. It is God who changes our hearts, thereby changing our minds. This is the grace of God. Thus, Luther points that the entire life of the believer is to be one of repentance. Penance is a series of works. Repentance is a lifestyle of true worship. Luther, in this instance, and in many others, had no choice but to follow the teaching of Scripture, even when it went contrary to the traditions of the Roman Catholic Church and the authority of the Pope. Luther made Scripture, in other words, his sole authority. Thus, the Reformer's cry of sola scriptura, or Scripture alone, became a foundational pillar of the Reformation and the return of the church to biblical Christianity grounded in the authority of the Scripture and not the traditions of the church. In other words, the reformer said, we cannot hold the traditions of the church equal with the authority of Scripture. Scripture alone must guide us. And the traditions of the church are fine as long as they are submitted to the Scripture. And when the traditions of the church do not coincide with the authority of Scripture, then we have to get rid of those traditions because they are contrary to God's Word. This is where the church in our modern times must also return. 
We must return to biblical Christianity grounded in the authority of Scripture, lived out with the courage of the reformers, the courage of the apostles and the prophets, and Christ himself. Again, from the Cambridge Declaration of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. I hate to read uh, large portions of a quote to you, but it is so good, I want you to hear this. In this declaration, in a section called The Erosion of Authority, and I quote, Scripture alone is the inerrant rule of the church's life. But the evangelical church today has separated Scripture from its authoritative function. In practice, the church is guided far too often by the culture. Therapeutic technique, marketing strategies, and the beat of the entertainment world often have far more to say about what the church wants, how it functions, and what it offers than does the Word of God. Pastors have neglected their rightful oversight of worship, including the doctrinal content of the music. As biblical authority has been, abounded, has been abandoned in practice, as its truths have faded from Christian consciousness, and as its doctrines have lost their saliency, the church has been increasingly emptied of its integrity, moral authority, and direction. Rather than adopting Christian faith to satisfy the felt needs of consumers, we must proclaim the law as the only measure of true righteousness and the gospel as the only announcement of saving truth. Biblical truth is indispensable to the church's understanding, nurture, and discipline. Scripture must take us beyond our perceived needs to our real needs and liberate us from seeing ourselves through the seductive images, cliches, promises, and priorities of mass culture. It is only in the light of God's truth that we understand ourselves aright and see God's provision for our need. The Bible, therefore, must be taught and preached in the church. Sermons must be expositions of the Bible and its teachings, not expressions of the preacher's opinions or the ideas of the age. We must settle for nothing less than what God has given. The work of the Holy Spirit in personal experience cannot be disengaged from Scripture. The Spirit does not speak in ways that are independent of Scripture. Apart from Scripture, we would never have known God's grace in Christ. The biblical word, rather than spiritual experience, is the test of truth. Close quote. The Bible affirms its own inspiration, its own authority, and its own sufficiency. Thus the cry, Scripture alone. Scripture alone must be our authority. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God 
may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. In Deuteronomy 8, 3, Man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Jesus quotes the same to the devil in his wilderness temptation when he says to his tempter, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Matthew chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. Jesus used the scripture to reveal himself to his disciples. He still does today. I want to repeat that. Jesus used the scripture to reveal himself to his disciples, and he still does so today. Luke 2, 24, I'm sorry, Luke 24, 27. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Faith comes by hearing the word of God, Paul writes in his letter to the Romans. Chapter 10, verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The purpose of the scripture is to reveal Christ to us. The scriptures written and preserved for us is the holy inspired word of God. God does not live in a book, but the scriptures contain the word of truth that reveal the living God made manifest to us in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit takes the inspired word of God in the scripture and illuminates the truth so that Christ is revealed. As Christ is revealed by faith, we see him and we hear his voice in the pages of his written word, the Holy Scriptures. Uh, it's not been rare that people have said such things to me like, I need a word from God. I need to hear a word from God. And I used to be one that would chase around seeking a word from God, when in reality, the word of God that I needed has always been here. It is here. And if you need a word of God, open your Bible and read out loud to yourself, and you will hear God's word for you. And from that word, he will give you the wisdom you need to make the, decision, the decisions you might be facing. The more clearly we see Christ, the more clearly we are conformed to his image. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Your destiny in Christ is to be conformed to the image of the Son, but that conforming will not happen apart from 
the Word of God, the Scripture, that you are commanded to abide in. And as you abide in it, Jesus said, the truth you come to know will set you free. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Beholding as in a mirror, the Word of God is a mirror that reveals who you are in relation to your God. The more clearly we see Christ, the more clearly we are conformed to the image of Christ. That's why Paul writes, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, Christ in you, the hope of glory. The Scripture is the means by which we come to more clearly see and more clearly hear and more clearly know Christ, thereby becoming the more clear image of Christ in this world. This happens as the Holy Spirit illuminates God's Word in our heart and renews our mind as we read and study and meditate in His Word, or as Jesus instructs, as we abide in His Word. The Word of God is living and powerful. Listen to the writer of Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. The Scripture not only gives us a revelation of Christ, but it gives us a revelation of ourselves. It exposes all, not for our condemnation, but for our healing and our salvation. We will never embrace a Savior until we know we need to be saved. The Word of God, the Scripture, reveals our need for salvation. This is why the law must be proclaimed with the gospel, which is the means to save us. The Scripture reveals the Savior, and it reveals our need for His salvation. The Word of God is living and powerful, not only to locate us, but to save us. And today we see and we hear that the Scripture is trash to some, but to those who believe, it is absolute treasure. You've heard it said, one man's trash is another man's treasure. So it is with the Scripture. To some, the Word of God is nothing more than an old, outdated book full of antiquated ideas that have long lost their relevance. This is what the spirit of the age wants us to believe so that we reject the truth of Scripture and believe the lie. To others, the Scripture is a trove of hidden treasure, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to search out a matter. Proverbs 25, 2. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, 
which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Matthew 13, 44. The parable of the Lord. The Holy Spirit opens our eyes and illuminates the Word of God so that we can find the treasure hidden within, and that treasure is Christ. Jesus Christ is the treasure that was hidden but now revealed. He is the pearl of great price. He is the one worth gaining by losing all. The Scriptures are not a book of rules and regulations to live by. The Scriptures are the key to unlock and find the greatest treasure one could ever possess, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Scripture is given to reveal Jesus Christ. He is the greatest treasure in our very life. God has given us His Word so that we would see Christ, hear Christ, and know Christ as Savior and Lord. God did more than give us His written Word. He gave us His Son, the living Word made flesh, Jesus Christ the Lord. He is revealed to you in the Holy Scripture, in the book we call the Bible. It is our sole authority in everything that concerns us. Amen? Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Spirit. It is Christ we celebrate each week at this table, and as you trust in his grace, let us prepare to come to the table to celebrate our Lord, Christian, welcome and come to his table. Please stand for your charge as God commissions you now to go back out and work for reformation. We begin today by reading our text from the Gospel of John, and in those verses, Jesus proclaimed, If you abide in my words, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I pray the Holy Spirit provoke you to abide in his word in greater measure, to receive the revelation of truth more clearly and ground you more deeply, to see you set free and equipped for every good work. Our prayer and purpose is to be his disciples indeed, making known his gospel in the power of his spirit. We are but a small part of the greater whole, working to bring about a modern reformation in the power of his holy word and his holy spirit. God has given you the map and key and the means to see reformation even if it is found only in you and your own heart and your own mind, he has given you a personal guide in the Holy Spirit. Use him. He will grow and equip you and use you for his glory as you abide in his word as sole authority, as you submit to his truth, as you walk obediently in the liberty you now have in Christ. And though that reformation must begin in you, trust God that it will not be limited to you. But God will take what he does in you and use it 
to spread it to the hearts and minds of others that we would indeed see reformation come to our own lives, to those around us, and by God's grace, even to our culture. Amen? Amen. Let us sing our thanks to God. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you. May He shed His light upon you as you go forth from this place. May He equip you, guide you, and lead you to every good work He has prepared for you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. The Lord be with you. And